You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Welcome to another episode of The Food Code. We have another interview today, which I'm excited about. I'm always excited about because Liz is not in the CrossFit world. Um, That's just not (laughs) her jam, which is good. I think it's a nice balance. Um, I love CrossFit. It changed my life. um, And I still enjoy it as much as my body allows now that I don't get as much sleep and I have an 18-month-old that I chase around. Um, And so we have Jen Ryan, who is a Masters Games athlete. So Masters meaning... She's, you know, she's kicking ass at an older age. <laughs> older. That's what I consider it. Um, and she is also a nutritional coach and she is also a nurse. And so we are going to talk about, um, you know, her journey and how her journey evolved from when she was younger and a lot of things going on nutritionally and where she's at now and a day in the life of a games athlete because it's intense. It is very <laughs> So, and you eat a lot of food because you do a you lot. You do. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you're doing it right. Yeah. If you're doing it right. Yes. You should be eating a lot of food. Um, so can you kind of a little bit about your journey um, and what you do? Yeah. So I, so my journey, I guess, with CrossFit started, is that where you want me to start? CrossFit journey? Yeah. Why don't we start there? Okay. Okay. Um, CrossFit started in 2009, so I was about 29, 29 and a half, <laughs> uh, and uh, just some friends of mine were doing it. I was living in South Carolina at the time. They had started and told me, they were like, Jen, you'd probably love this. They had been trying to get me to do it for a little while, and I was kind of just happy doing my own thing, doing uh, like spin class and step class and uh, just some weightlifting on my own. Um, so I went and I was immediately hooked. I think kind of like most people, it was a, um, a day in June in South Carolina where of course, you know, all we had was big fans in the gym, no air conditioning, and you're just dying because it's so, you know, the, the humidity. Um, but I loved it. So, uh, yeah, so I, I continued, um, I wasn't like a hundred percent all in, right away. Um, I still continued doing some of my other like extra cardio. I would always like run or do something else. And maybe some days I'd go do a little extra weightlifting. Um, because that was still back in the day when, uh, you know, like, uh, CrossFit, like.com was doing like one day a week might've been like, uh, jerks, like one, 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 one. Right. And I was like, this is, come on, this isn't a workout. And it's so interesting how all that's evolved now, but yeah. So I really, I started to love it because I found my workouts had so much more of a purpose. You know, you're writing your time on the, this is also back when like writing your times or scores on the whiteboard was so big. So of course it just sparked my competitive fire. Um, I was an athlete. I started playing soccer and basketball, like really, really young. And then through high school, I think I played every sport 
possible, mostly because I didn't want to get a job after school. Um, so I just would be like, oh, mom, I'm going out for swimming. She's like, you don't even like the water. I was like, I know, but I don't want to go to work right now. So anyway, so I played like every sport imaginable. Um, it, I, and I, I loved it. Uh, so, um, yeah, so CrossFit kind of sparked that. And then I did my first CrossFit competition, I think November of like 2010, it was a team comp. Um, and then first open was 2011. So yeah. And then I've competed in every regional, uh, since then. So 2011, was my first regional on a team and uh yeah so all the way through well 2018 went the last regional so yeah so that's that was insane. kind of my journey through uh how crossfit started that is crazy and you have stayed mainly healthy this whole time yeah i've been so blessed uh the you know i've had the aches and pains you know, sometimes from maybe overdoing it a little bit, uh, you know, strains here and there, you know, I've, I've hurt my back, but, but in the way of hurt, I mean, eh, just kind of, I wasn't doing things right. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've recovered really well. I've always been able to get back at it. Uh, worst thing that's really happened was last year before the master's online qualifier, like two weeks beforehand at the mid Atlantic thing, uh, sanctional, I, sprained an ankle and got a bone bruise so I was in a boot and but I was still able to compete and qualify and then yeah. I had an appendectomy from an acute appendicitis two weeks before the open this past year oh so uh but uh I was back to I mean I did the first open workout and was fine from yeah. there so, so um, those are the worst things in the past how many what 10 11 years yeah you are you were sounds like you were made for CrossFit because in my like four years I ended up with two major injuries <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that's probably it. Um, so talk to me a little bit about maybe how, probably how you've kept yourself healthy with food um, and how it wasn't always that way. Because I know we talked yeah. a little bit offline about how you've struggled with food in the past. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so as we did talk about when you're, uh, when you're training as hard as we are, um, as much as we are, it's really important, I think, not from just an aesthetic standpoint, which is what a lot of people get concerned about, mm -hmm. um, or just a fueling standpoint, but a recovery and honestly, like injury prevention standpoint and mm -hmm. maintaining a hormonal balance. Um, honestly, those are the things I think I learned the most um, about for myself and for coaching others, like athletes, is the food and the calories aren't just about fueling these workouts. They're not just about how to change body composition. It is so much. And I think for me, it's been a huge part of my longevity is, is this helping me recover? Am I coming back from aches, pains, strains, injuries, um, better and, and, and just as good? Uh, am I staying healthy and are my, my hormones in check? And by hormones, we're talking about of course, thyroid, we're talking um, our menstrual cycle as females um, and all these things. So for me, I think that's the thing. That is one of the biggest things I try to talk to my athletes about. And honestly, the general population, because a lot of the people that are coming to us active or wanting to be active or change body composition are getting more and more active. They're trying to do more and more, right? And so 
I think it's important to tell people that yes, everything on the outside is important and that might be a goal, but think about all of this, like from how it's helping you on the inside too. Cause that is honestly the most important thing. Like I can't tell you how many people athletes that I see that don't have a lot of longevity that don't come back from injuries quickly that get injured often, um, uh, that are sick all the time. And I'm like, man, I had an appendectomy. And like two weeks later, I was like hitting a PR in like three lifts. Right. And like, yeah. I, I, maybe I'm just lucky, but I'm all, I was also almost 40 years old. And, uh, it, you know, the day after my surgery, I took in 30 over 3000 calories. And all yeah. I did was go for a walk on the beach. Right. Whereas so many people are like, oh, I can't eat anything. And it's like, yeah. all right, well, I'll see you in a couple of years when you're actually able to do something again, you know, like, totally. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, to me, it was not anything about aesthetics at that point. Um, it was about how's my recovery? Where do I want to be in not just like a year, but like, where do I want to be in a couple of weeks? Where do I want to be in like a couple months? And I wanted to be back where I was. So um, that was huge. Yeah. But it wasn't always that way, like we talked about. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you feel? Because we talked about you struggling with bulimia most of your life. Um, and yeah. How do you feel like, can you talk us through that and then how the mindset shift helped you recover from that? Yeah. Uh, so it started when, and I, I can't remember uh, the exact age I was, grade I was in. It, it started in high school. Um, I, I, I believe sophomore year, I think, but, um, you know, I just, so I was an athlete, um, but also being like a female, you know, I, I did it see myself the way I saw some of the other women, like the athletes, the girls, right. Um, mm -hmm. or just other girls, my age in general. And, um, I was not comfortable in my own skin. Um, I wasn't comfortable in the clothes that I wore. Uh, I'll be honest, even from a younger age, I never liked wearing jeans because I felt like frumpy and I'll be honest, like fat. I always wore, um, even like younger than that. I always wore like, <laughs> like leggings, like spandex pants and then like a long shirt over top, right? With like the scrunchie to tie it up. But it covered my uncomfortable feeling midsection. Um, I just, at that age and even high school, I would always, I think I describe myself as frumpy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I went to a Catholic high school where you had to wear these terrible for your body, like pleated skirts and like the outfits and I just never felt good. And so I think there, there came a way where I could control some of that and how I felt about myself. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, you know, but that was just my way to start making myself feel better was controlling things with food. And if I felt bad about myself, um, that was kind of a coping mechanism. And I, I turned to food and then uh, bulimia and it just became just kind of a, a spiral. And it, it was hard because I would play a sport and then I would go for a really long run, but then I would still come home and feel like I'm just, it's not enough. Like yeah. this isn't enough. I still don't feel comfortable. And that continued for a long time. Um, intermittently, right. There would be some years where, or months where, I was fine. And then sometimes there was periods of time where for a month straight, I mean, every day I would make myself sick. And 
it's just, uh, it, it's, it, it had a lot to do with how I felt about myself. Um, not just from an aesthetic standpoint, I think, but, um, also just on a personal and emotional level too. Mm-hmm. And, and just how I dealt with things. So, um, yeah, all through my twenties, you know, uh, I, I was always very cognizant of food and uh, nutrition. And uh, so I went through the different phases, the fads. I mean, I'll tell you, even uh, in when I went to college, um, I, I was working, but I didn't have a ton of, of money at the time. I was an out-of-state student. But because I was still so uncomfortable with my body, I mean, I would pay money for these like crazy diet pills. And yeah. it was like, but then I would like go out and drink all the time and I would, because I thought that that was a way to make myself feel better. And then I would, you know, come home and eat like a Papa John's pizza or something, but only the crust because the cheese was fat and fat was bad back when I was 20. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Right. But Oh, Jen, let's, let's spend money on freaking diet pills and, you know, working out and training was only done because I wanted to be skinnier and burn calories. And I didn't have anything to work towards, right? Like there was, um, there was just nothing was bringing, um, there was no value in it. Right. I don't know if you had periods of time where that happened to you too. Like you just, there was nothing else really going on besides, Oh, this is what I'm working towards. And I didn't know what that was. Yeah, absolutely. So how did training and eating more change your mindset around, you know, wanting to purge after those big binges and essentially feeling like your mindset shifted to now you're fueling your body for a purpose um, versus calories are evil in any way, shape and form. And we only exercise to remove them. (laughs) Yeah. I, it's, it was a really cool shift starting in CrossFit. I started to realize once I started just wanting to get better and finding a reason behind like training and not the, like the bodybuilding style stuff, like, uh, trying to look like the women in the magazine. Um, I wanted to be stronger and I realized, Oh, Jen, you, you got to put on a little more muscle. Like you need to put on a little more weight. Like when I started CrossFit, I was 115 pounds <laughs> just for reference. Uh, when I was like 35, I got up to like 133 pounds, 134, and I currently sit around 128. So um, I, I did increase some size, right? Like I was much smaller when I started CrossFit. And I was like, I can't compete at this level. I, I need more. And it was kind of cool that I was like, wow, my purpose behind eating, my purpose behind exercising, and just the purpose behind like the way I went about my day was just being better. And so I was kind of like, okay, so I, you know, tried paleo, I tried zone. I just, I got my hands on more food. When I was working night shift as a nurse, I'd bring my big grocery bag, like no matter what, no matter how much time I didn't have, I always had a crap ton of food. And I was so happy about that. Um, So that the mindset shift started then. I still had, you know, the, the issues, some body image issues. I still had um, I guess I would call it flare-ups or instances when the, the bulimia would rear its ugly head again. And, um, uh, you know, it's hard to get past that. And so, um, it was so cool though, to just start 
really shifting towards, no, Jen, you, you should be eating more. If, if, if you want to change how you feel, how you perform, um, then, then you should be doing something different. And it was really cool to start learning that. And then in 2014, I started working with a nutrition coach and, um, she, she had me eating a lot more than I thought I could and I should, but I just went with it. I was like, I'm going to trust in this. This is what I want to be doing. And that shift kind of occurred. I was like, Oh, none of these foods are bad. I mean, there were some days she had me doing refeed days where I would be eating three cups of rice at night at dinner. And I was just like, okay, this is fine. And this sounds a little strange, but I believe that because of the type of eating disorder I had, you know, I was okay with eating that amount of food. Whereas, you know, some people who restricted quite often and were very afraid of taking in more food, um, sometimes as a coach, I find it takes a little bit more like steps, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, let's start with this smaller amount first. Um, so I do believe that you have to talk with someone about their mindset around food and the past that they've had. Yeah. For me, taking in large quantities of food at a time, not always in the best way, was actually something I had done in the past. Now, the part was I would then, of course, purge, right? And now I was starting to understand, like, you don't have to do that. Like, mm-hmm. you, you should be taking in a good bit of food. Like, not that like going crazy with large amount of foods was the, the way to go about it. But I was seeing that if I wanted to perform better, it was okay to be fueling myself properly. And mm-hmm. I didn't need to think that taking in that amount of food was going to have a negative effect on my body. Um, and I think that was a big set shift for me. And it also helps me when I work with other people to ask, what their history is around food and how big are your meal sizes? Um, you know, how do you particularly feel about taking in larger quantities of food at a time? Does that bring any kind of, you know, connotation along with it? Things like that. Yeah. I love that. And so with the coach that you started working with, did she kind of talk you through the educational piece here of why you needed the, the fuel and why you needed the amount of calories that she was giving you other than strictly performance? Or was it all just coaching you through how do we perform better? Because that was kind of your number one goal. Or was there also some tough coaching around the diet history and the past that you had had? I'll be 100% honest, I didn't disclose to her my diet history at the time. Um, there were time, like many years where I was, uh, I, I was really ashamed of it. And I'll be honest, even to this day, um, it's really hard for me to make it a huge part of my story in my life because um, I don't want to be defined by it because I was right. defined by it for so long. Um, I, don't, I don't mind disclosing it and letting people know because I think it's important. Uh, but it's, it's definitely still something, um, even like at that time, those years, I was very ashamed. Um, and you know, there's still times I find that I'm ashamed of that. Um, but it, and so I don't try to make it a huge thing, um, of my story, although it, 
it really has been a huge part of all of this for me. Um, but yeah, so I didn't disclose that to her. And, um, I, we didn't talk a whole lot about the, the, the hormonal aspect that, you know, it can have like, uh, making sure I'm eating enough, all the training, but she definitely went over a lot of the reasons, um, behind her prescriptions for me. And that was really, really beneficial. And then just, I've been studying nutrition, you know, and, and all in health since early, early, early twenties. And so I was understanding a lot of it, the things behind it, although I wouldn't, you know, it's not something I would have done for myself because I, I didn't trust in it until someone did it for me, you know? Yeah. So can you walk us through a day in the life of you, how training is, how much you're training, how much you're eating, um, what you're eating, uh, you know, how old you are, how much you weigh. You said you're about 128 right now. So I think that'd yeah. be really interesting kind of giving us an insight into all this training that you're doing that requires this much food. Yeah. Um, so I follow, um, Invictus programming. So I go to CrossFit Invictus out here in San Diego. Um, so we have a coach there that programs for all of us. So we all kind of get in there and train together. Um, so that's just kind of the background behind where I'm at. Um, so five days a week, I train twice a day. Um, Sundays, I'm basically 100% off um, from planned um, exercise. Thursday, I will do a swim session, <laughs> although I really stay in the water for about 15 or 20 minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it gets, it's so boring, like, you know? Um, but at any rate, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm laps. I could do some sprints for time, but that seems more boring too. So at any rate, um, yeah, so I, nothing super crazy on Thursdays or Sundays when games training comes up, typically like uh, a Sunday will also be a swim day because I'm probably because I don't spend a lot of time in the water. I'm not great at it. So um, that ramps up, but uh, five days a week are twice a day. Uh, we generally train, um, get to the gym at nine, uh, usually wrap up at like 11, 11, 15, uh, get back to the gym again at one, usually wrap, uh, wrap things up around three, three thirty. Um, and so that's typically how that looks. Um, so when, uh, those days, so get up. So if we start day in the life, uh, I usually get up around six 45 or seven, um, make sure I get out, walk the dogs, uh, for a little bit. I have a routine that I follow. So for me, having a routine is super important. And I try to preach this to not just athletes, but honestly, to anyone in general, because if you can have one piece of your routine that you follow, I feel like um, no matter who you are, uh, even when you're traveling or anything, I, I think you can just, you literally feel like, okay, like my day has started off normal. It's not all lost and everything, right? So, uh, so my daily routine is the same. I do a quick uh, like gratitude journal. Um, I make my coffee, I make my greens drink. So there's nothing special or fancy about a greens powder you guys know, but it's like, I literally have for the past couple years, I do a chocolate uh, greens powder. It's my absolute favorite. I travel with it everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. It's just my thing to start the day. Yep. Um, I make my same breakfast every day. That is buckwheat cereal with, um, a vegan protein powder from thorn, some blueberries, and maybe a little banana, uh, some flaxseed and pumpkin seeds. Literally that's like past two years. That's I travel with it. I take the buckwheat home with me. Cause I don't know if other places are going to have it. I go to competitions with it. 
uh, just games, everything. Day has to start the same. Um, and I try to preach that to especially my athletes when they travel, like do what you can to take what you can with you. Um, start everything out the same. So, yep. Um, so creature habit, um, that's my jam. So then, um, head to the gym, a uh, little bit of training, just kind of depending on the cycle we're in. Um, sometimes if it's more of like an anaerobic piece or something like that, uh, glycolytic, then I'll have a shake afterwards, which will be um, uh, some highly branched cyclic dextrin uh, and then uh, some protein powder. Sometimes if it's nothing too crazy, then I'll just wait till I get home, um, have a pretty large lunch. So Typically by halfway through my day, I've consumed um, about 14 or 1500 calories. Um, and that also looks like anywhere from 140 to 165 of carbs by that time. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, head back to the gym, do our second session. Again, that's kind of the, depends on the cycle that we're in. That'll usually be um, if the afternoon session is like lifting and then some, uh, you know, like a, a conditioning piece plus um, accessory work, and yeah. then head back home. Uh, I won't typically always have a, if I have a shake in the morning right after the workout, I don't always have one after the second workout. Um, in fact, I don't ever very often because it'll be, you know, until I have to recover all the way through the next day. Um, and I'll try to kind of sit and like breathe just a little bit or go on a walk when I get home to, uh, just kind of bring myself back down because um, otherwise I'm rushing back home to, um, you know, check my emails, computer and work. So I do try to take um, some kind of time to bring my body back down, like just relax a little bit because otherwise it'll stay elevated uh, as you guys know until like yes. bedtime. Um, and it's really important, I think, to bring ourselves, especially athletes back down into that, you know, that parasympathetic state. So um so I usually do that and then get back home, have a larger uh, meal at that point. And then uh, I'm, and, and typically that's just consisting of um, a lean protein source, uh, any kind of carbohydrate at that point, I'm not focusing anything too specific. Um, the lunchtime meal will be something a little bit easier to digest, like white rice or like some mashed sweet potatoes or something. Um, I've found like some foods or spices don't sit very well. And so the second session can be a bit of a mess if I have anything too fatty or too like spicy or acidic. Um, so those are kind of choices that I talk to my athletes about for sure. Reading your body and your digestion. And then, uh, yeah, so then big meal then I'll usually work for a few hours, uh, and then have a pretty good sized dinner. Um, I've been working pretty hard at like having more meals as opposed to like a lot of snacks throughout the day, um, which can get tough when you're taking in anywhere from like 2,500 to 3,200 calories a day. Um, having like, you know, breaking it into like five meals, that that's pretty good sized portion because I eat a ton of veggies too, typically. So that, um, that kind of gets a little tough to take down. But again, I, I think that I've not ever been someone who struggled with eating large amounts at a time. Um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it is what it is. But um, again, that comes from like my background, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but all in all, it's, um, it's a healthy mindset now, which I think is super important. And um, yeah, so by the end of the night, I'm usually pretty full. Uh, 
I'm not hungry very often uh, in terms of like, oh man, I'm, I'm starving. I, I feel like I'm under eating. Um, I know when I'm under eating. And so I, I typically don't allow that for myself. Um, but I don't need to, you know, um, mm-hmm. as a five foot two, 128 pound hundred, you know, I, my heaviest in the last couple of years that I've been able to get up to is 132 pounds, I think at one point, but then I typically just sit around 130. Um, and then the last like few months it's been, I've been sitting around 127 to 129. So, um, um, still eating the same amount, just some macro adjustments. I find that, um, and I know calories are some of the most important, but let's be honest. So is like, uh, uh, hormonal regulation, how your body utilizes nutrients. Um, so I find that the, if the less fats that I have, uh, I could be eating the same amount of calories and just have higher carbs. And I still drop, uh, I, I get very lean and I drop weight. Um, yeah. again, I can understand that, you know, well, the calories in calories out. However, the way I utilize, um, the nutrients and the way it just works for me, um, if I drop my fats below like 65 grams a day or 60 grams a day, for example, for about three and a half months, we took my fats to 55 a day, which I'll be honest, I still wasn't able to get there very often. So (laughs) even if on average 60 grams of fat a day, um, I dropped down to 125 pounds very quickly. Um, because we could shovel 400 grams of carbs at me and I'll shoot right through it, um, Mm -hmm. and drop weight. So, uh, for many people, that's awesome. Uh, for me being super duper lean, uh, I don't know if I sit there perfectly, right? Like, uh, I don't know if for me in the long term, competing in CrossFit, if that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say, Jen, to someone who comes to you and their goal is to drop weight, but they are overtraining and under eating? How do you get them? I know lots of times Becca and I are talking with people and we're reverse dieting people more often than we are putting them into a cut immediately because they've been in such a severe calorie deficit for the style of training. And this can be, you know, your mom that wants to go to strength train or CrossFit in the morning and then she wants to do yoga or, you know, she's not sleeping enough. She's under recovering. So she's now putting on weight and she doesn't understand why she can't drop the weight. Right. So if that scenario, you know, I know you work with at lifeline performance, you work with athletes, but also some general population kind of walk us through that. I mean, there is this huge misconception that calories in calories out is the only way that we lose weight, but that's not how your body works, especially if you're taxing it and you need to recover from your workouts. So I'd love to just hear from you as you talk to your gen pop clients who are in their thirties or forties and they want to train, they want to get lean, but they're really under eating. Yeah. And like you said, it's, uh, it's not just athletes, it's general population too, that are trying to do more and more and more and eat less and less. Uh, and, uh, I don't know if you guys have found this as much, but I have found that people more my own age and older they're afraid of eating. I've, I can't tell you how many women in their 40s and 50s will say to me, I'm afraid of having that piece of fruit because it's going to make me fat. So I just eat less. And I'm like, oh, wow, we are, we're still at that point, you know? And these people, upon looking at their food logs, 
are only eating 12 or 1300 calories, but they're afraid to have an extra handful of blueberries. And um, it's, it's really hard to change that mindset. So really, and these are, these are general population people. These aren't even just athletes, but athletes, even especially in that age group, suffer from that very much because I, I am blessed enough to also work with a lot of master's athletes and, and I find this. Um, but yeah, even the, the younger population, um, they're, they're a little afraid to, to eat. And um, I think they don't quite understand that there are different periods of time that you can go through in your life where it's a little better maybe to kind of test the waters and bump things up just a little bit. So instead of, and, and it can be scary to say at first, I'm sure like you guys know, okay, we're going to take out this extra training session and we're going to give you a bunch more food. And you know, that doesn't always create the buy-in that we're looking for. Some people do. Like if it was like for me, I mean, that was that total buy-in, you know, like it's fine, you know? Um, but for a lot of people, it's not. So I will typically start with food first, let them keep training a little bit the way they want to, unless it's just really, really bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll try to let them kind of continue with where they're at, maybe make some suggestions on, you know, if they're doing like a 45 minute to 60 minute, how many times do you guys see this? Well, my recovery day is like a 60 minute run. It's like, ah, you know, you said you kind of feel like garbage and uh, you're not <laughs> losing any weight. So let's talk about that. So yeah, maybe I'll suggest changing those days, but I let them keep their like workout days the same. And now I try to like bump food up just to get that like buy-in, right? So yeah, reversing them up a little in food is usually a little easier to start. Yeah. That's what I've found. I think it, they're so afraid. That's what I find. It's taken months to convince certain people that under eating and overtraining is the very thing that's causing them to put the weight on and not be able to drop the weight. And so, yeah, I've always done that as well as um, looking at sleep, right? And kind of convincing yeah. them like, hey, this long run that you're doing on Saturday, this is a day that we can get an extra couple hours of sleep, which might help you more than the run. Um, yeah. and then just trying to get them a little by little to reverse out of these severe calorie deficits. So I was just curious, you know, how you kind of handle that. And I love that you do see that even with athletes, because there is this yeah. misconception that, you know, coaches like you and I and Becca, like we have to break this because there's no other place for these people to go. Right. They can't just do more, more, more and eat less, less, less. Like, no, it's a disaster. Yeah. It's, it's, and I always say like, listen, and nothing is infinite, right? We can always change it. And so why not give this a try? Like, is yeah. it going to hurt? Like, you don't like yourself now. So like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll be honest, right? Like, I don't like yeah. to like bring that about, but it's like, hey, you're not happy with where you're at right now. So why not like go with it? And if things don't happen, guess what? You can go back to your old way of doing it if you really want to, you know, yeah. and worst case scenario, we put you back on your thousand calories and, you know, yeah. if that's, you know, know. If, you, if you don't like what we do, which they usually like, then what happens? So 
we don't have to go back to that, which is nice, but yes. Yeah. So that's kind well, of they start to feel better, right? They start to have more yeah. energy. They're not breaking down and getting injured as often they start to notice that their lifts get stronger. And then, you know, hopefully the scale starts to shift or at the very minimum, bringing somebody up to a maintenance. Now I have a place that I can inflict weight loss by cutting you. I can't cut you at 1100 calories. I'm not ever no. going to drop anybody. Yeah, no, for sure. And I like to use that back. I don't know if you ever did this like before regionals or a competition. I like to use a personal experience and tell people. So like, I think you might have been like me, like you were concerned about how your body looked, of course, going into competition where you might just be wearing a sports bra or if there's a swim, just a bathing suit. Um, and you know, the week before those big competitions, intensity and volume is down. You your don't nutrition train, coach, like, at yeah, all. Your nutrition coach is like, no, no, you're going to keep eating, you know? And you're like, oh my God. And then like the two days before you're literally doing nothing. And yes. I remember being like, oh my God, I'm going to be huge. I'm going to look terrible. And here's what I would do. And I tell people this since 2013, the days before I would take, and that's when I, I lived, I moved here in, you know, uh, December of 2012. So I had the beach from then on. So I would go for long walks, like on the beach or sit on the bike outside of the gym and just literally go on the assault bike at like 30 RPMs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll tell you what, I literally walked into those competitions looking leaner because the freaking inflammation went down yes. from all the damn, I needed to work out all the time. And you know, it's like, holy cow, three or four days of me not trashing my body, sleeping mm -hmm. well, eating a lot and just moving. I looked good, you yeah. know? And I try to tell normal, like general population people that too. I'm like, you working out six and seven days a week, this is exactly what's happening. Let's try to bring that inflammation down. Go for an hour long walk. I guarantee you're going to wake up the next day and look and feel just as like better. Mm -hmm. yeah. And people see that. I'm like, this is my own experience, guys. So I try to tell athletes that too, because I know that they stress out about that. Totally. You think that you have to work out because you like, I literally, I would go through a period where I felt if I wasn't working out, I shouldn't be eating. And it stemmed from poor relationships with, you know, food plans given to me early on in my competing days. I'm not going to name names, but like on rest days, I literally ate no carbs other than vegetables. And that was what was, yeah, yeah that was like, I was, I was competing at the Granite Games and that yeah. was like on my rest days, that was what I ate. And I was competing. I see that still. Like, yeah. I, I still see people following those things and they'll be like, man, I just kind of feel like crap. And I'm like, well, what are your, that's literally one of the first things I say is, well, what does your rest day look like? And they're like, oh, really low carbs. I'm like, here we go again. All right. <laughs> you know, and it's yes. I'm like, there's a difference people. There's a reason. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's, yep. Uh, yep. it's hard. So it, you I, know, I was it's, pretty it's blessed. You want, yeah. It's, it, I tell people, if you want change, you got to make change because yeah. if you're doing the same thing over and over again, and you're not where you want to be, guess what? That's the definition of insanity. And, and, and yeah. And it can be the same for people who are aesthetic based as well. You totally. don't have to like completely take out starchy carbohydrates on a rest day. Yeah. That can definitely be something that's used, but you can't, you, or you, not that you can't, but maybe not doing that for an extended period of time where you develop that relationship 
and where you kind of feel like crap. And it's just yeah. like, I mean, is adding a cup of like potato really going to be that bad for you? What if it's actually good for you? Like, you know, and again, these are, there's so many different strategies, as you guys know, with working with different people. But um, uh, I think making people feel that if, you know, shoot, if athletes are doing that, imagine the general population, what they think if they're not an athlete, well, like, wow, I shouldn't be eating any starchy carbs. And it's yeah. just like, oh man, like there's, there's a point where it's too much. Yes. But at the same time, you know, we, we can develop some better uh, relationships with food too, I think. Yeah. And I think that I can already expect your feelings on the morning chalk up that posted about keto being what CrossFitters should do. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting to me is there are really some people on there then arguing for it that are, uh, somebody said, well, the difference with me is that I'm fat adapted, so I don't need to reach for a muffin afterwards like you do. And I'm like, I, I don't think that you're understanding that. Like, I don't need to reach for a muffin after a workout because I am craving carbohydrates. I'm, I'm first of all, I'm not reaching for a muffin. Exactly. I, there's reasons why carbohydrates are being placed after that. Um, and it's not because of a sugar craving and it's not because I'm not fat adapted. Uh, and so the people arguing for it to me still don't, they're, uh, they're unfortunately misled. And then that's, you know, that's up to them. Some people it works very well for, I'm sure. Uh, and that's okay. But, um, I think that there are still some of the people arguing for it that are a bit misled Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that's okay. Uh, because they'll, they'll either figure it out for themselves or, or they won't. Um, but you know, the best thing we can do is keep leading, like helping the people that we're helping. And it was nice to see that so many people, um, had a lot of great information on there that got posted. And, um, it's, it's the same thing with, with any diet with, you know, uh, veganism or, you know, and, and yeah. it, that works very well for people. Um, it doesn't work very well for a lot of people, but same thing with keto and there's, you know, there's time and places for things, but, uh, you're yeah, so much nicer explaining that than I was. I was like, Oh man, no, <laughs> this should not be something that you choose to do. Keto should be done with medical supervision. It should be like, I went, I went on a rant the other day. I think when, you know, you can really get the people who are super misled and like the zealots for it. I think you can get them real riled up uh, mm -hmm. sometimes in going that route with it. Um, like, I, and I think I've also learned it's, it's kind of like, like when being a, a ER nurse for 11 years, yeah. like bedside stuff. So like when trying to talk with a drunk person <laughs> or someone who's <laughs> really on a lot of drugs, um, uh, how to get them riled up, how to not get them riled up, how to get them on your side and like having a good yeah. conversation. Um, and uh, I, I won't lie. Sometimes I'm just like, are you, are you serious? You know, but um, I do try to, I'm kind of like, okay, why is this person seeing it like that? Yeah. Oh, because you like 
are deeply in love with Dr. Jason Fung. Okay. Or however you say his name, right? Like those are the people I'm like, Oh, so you literally like just drool over every word that that guy says. I'm like, this is why you believe the things you do. And I want to be compassionate for you. Like I am deeply saddened by your, your life right now. You know, it's like, Oh, you're suffering. And I shouldn't, I don't want to be super mean to you right now. You know? (laughs) So yeah. Um, and, and some of those people have amazing things to say. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like, ah, don't believe everything that you read from some of these gurus. Right. Um, so it's, it's like a, I'm almost sad for those people, right. That they believe that. And, uh, you kind of know like down the road what's going to happen to them and you're like oh man you just like see it coming yeah yeah you're kind of like i must say a prayer but you know i mean sure somebody back in my day was like oh you've got got an eating disorder like i oh i yeah. feel bad for you i see what's going to happen down the road but you'll get through it you know and so <laughs> i don't know kind of this you know <laughs> just <laughs> rationalizing it sometimes and seeing what what is causing someone to feel the way they do uh, yeah. so strongly is interesting. But. Well, I love it. I think this is going to be really intriguing for our listeners because we do have a lot of general <laughs> information and I think it's going to be really eye-opening to them and hopefully it will help some of them start eating a little bit more and realize that food is not the devil and that there are no bad foods. We just need to focus on choosing the right foods to fuel our body and eat enough and stop yep. trying to do more and eat less. Um, Jen, tell us what's coming up for you. You have um, some big things coming, right? I- some cool things coming up. Um, I'm uh, going to see you guys at the Impact Collective at the end of the month, yep. which is going to be cool. Um, so what turned into not competing much this year turned into three weeks of competing a lot. So I'm competing uh, in Brazil at the Brazil CrossFit Championship the first weekend in March. So I'll be gone March 4th through the 9th competing on a team, trying to qualify for the games. Then, uh, that following weekend, the Thursday through Monday, I have the master's online qualifier trying to qualify, um, for the games. Uh, and then the weekend after that, I'm competing at the West coast classic here in San Diego, uh, at our old regional stomping grounds on the same team of four. Um, another chance to try to qualify for the game. So anywho, uh, that's what I've had going on. So hoping to um, just continue a lot of that as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you're crazy busy. It took us a couple weeks to get on your calendar, which is awesome. And we can't wait to see you in San Diego. But before we sign off here, let our listeners know where they can follow you because I'm sure they're going to want to see Brazil and San Diego and all that stuff. So give us your, uh, your website, your Instagram, wherever they can find you. Uh, website is lifelineperformance.com done by Liz's amazing husband, Art. Um, I'm a little bit slacking behind, so some things are still lagging, but I promise some, I will get there just like my uh, clean and jerk. It will sometime go up. I you saw know. that video you posted. I feel you. I could clean easily 20 pounds more than I can jerk. And so my clean and jerk was never, I was like, please jerk. the same separate but together oh it's like me getting everything else in my life put together right like it's one thing's really great the next thing is could be over there but anyways it's all you know it's all a work in progress um so that's the website um my ig is jen underscore ryan i believe 
Um, we will tag it so they can click on the show notes and link up to it. Okay. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. So yeah, there we have it. Cool. Thank well, you. thank you again so much. And we can't wait to see you in San Diego. And we hope you have a great day. Thank you for spending your time with us. We are honored to be able to help educate you and improve your life. If you've enjoyed this, please take a screenshot, share it on Instagram and tag us at lsn.coach and leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.